what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer, and tonight on the show, we have Alex Correa. Hey, Alex, what's up, man? Hey, how's it? Pretty good. How are you doing? It's like to have you on. Alex is a uh, is a very loyal viewer to the show. He's got a lot of strong opinions about stuff, but uh, we're going to... We're going to kind of dig into a couple of different uh, topics tonight, but let me just give some more background on on Alex, just so you folks are more uh, familiar with him. He has, uh, according to his words, been fascinated with aquariums since he was six years old and had his first freshwater tank when he was 10. And now I think I did the math correctly. Uh, he You moved on to saltwater fish only tank when you were 22. Is that, uh, is that accurate? Yeah, uh, about, about that, okay. yeah. So he started to volunteer at the Waikiki Aquarium in 1995, working for Charles Delbeek, maintaining both saltwater and freshwater systems, and later worked for Dr. Bruce Carlson, helping to maintain the coral farm at the aquarium. So those are certainly some awesome folks to learn from. And he also volunteered as a mentor for the Marine Option Program. Am I saying that correctly? Marine Option Program. Marino at the University of Hawaii yeah. in 2003, and he worked for one of the best companies in Honolulu, Wayne's Ocean World. Sounds like that's a, a copyright infringement on Wayne's yeah. World. That uh, received, maintained, and exported marine tropical fishes around the globe. Maybe Wayne's World was after that. And uh, he's also written articles for various magazines and books published in Brazil, Portugal, Italy, US, the U.S. of A. here, and in the U.K., in addition, Alex contributed to the Reef Aquarium Volume 3 by Charles Delbeek and Julian Sprung and worked with Alf Nielsen on his latest book, which was published in 2016, providing samples and images. I mentioned that Alex is a frequent uh, viewer of the show. And, um, well, anyway, Alex, again, welcome to the show. It's like to have you here. Really uh, looking forward to uh, having a discussion with you but um just before we start chatting i want to just take care of a little business and thank the show's sponsor marine depot i really appreciate marine depot being a supporter of the show and i also appreciate all you folks that have been tuning in watching the program so please spread the word about the show hit that like button if you're digging what you're watching hit that like button because more people will find us and also uh don't forget to hit that subscribe button to the reef bum uh, channel to help me out there a little bit all right, so now that we've taken care of that business, um, Alex, and, and for the folks that, that are viewing, I see there's a whole bunch of um, comments already in the channel. I'll do my best to uh, keep track of that. We also have uh, Ginger B. Coaching as the moderator on the live stream tonight. I see some familiar faces, Greg Carroll, um, Brooke Brock B., and um, Michael Schur. Wow, Michael, thanks for tuning in, man. Glad to have you on the live stream here. Algae Warrior, hey. What's up, everybody? So, Alex, there's um, and I, and I encourage you folks to ask a lot of questions in, in the uh, in the chat so we can get a good dialogue going back and forth. But um, can you can you provide more information in terms of you know how you became a volunteer at the Waikiki Aquarium? You were telling me that story before we um, might have been last week when we were talking, and I, I just found it pretty fascinating, you know how uh, all that came to be. Well, I came to Hawaii in 1995, and then um, I went with my wife to look at the at the aquarium. And we didn't have, we were not settled yet. And then when I when I saw the tanks and everything, I was like, "Oh man, I want to see behind the scenes." So I went to the front desk and asked the lady, 
can I see behind the scenes, please, please, please? And she, I was like, oh, I don't think she's going to allow me to. And she said, oh, sure, I'm going to call I'm gonna call one of the biologists and, he, they, you know, he can show you behind the scenes. And then she called Charles. And then Charles came and talked to me. It was like, oh, man, I cannot believe him. I can't believe I'm going back there. I couldn't even speak English well because I, I actually didn't even know how to speak English when I came here. Very, like, you know. Um, he took me back and I look, oh my God, look at this stuff, man. And can I take pictures from the top? And, you know, I was so crazy about it. I never had um, reef tanks in Brazil before I came here. I never had reef tanks. I saw like Rio, where I used where I used to live, and it was like, oh, what what is this stuff around the rock? And the guy said it's a live rock. Well, what does it eat? <laughs> and it was like, oh, you gotta put this special water in. They didn't know anything about it. Anyways, um, Charles showed me everything, and I was like, so I was thinking, man, I am so lucky. And then Charles, I said, well, can I work here? He said, yeah, you can volunteer. I said. Oh, no money? <laughs> no money. I was like, oh, man. And I look at my wife. My wife was with me. And I was like, no money? Oh, no way, man. And then when I got home, I said, you know what? I'm going there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work for these people. But the most interesting thing is when I, when I left, when I left the back of the scenes, I went back to the galleries again, and there was a bookshop. So a gift shop they call a bookshop. I went to look at the books because I, I wanted to see the pictures on the books and stuff. And I saw a book. That I, I looked at the book. And, oh, my God, this book is really nice. And I opened the book. Oh, my God, how, I can't even. I don't know how even the, the Americans can understand. This is all scientific stuff, man. I was looking at pictures, few pictures only, but a lot of information. I said, I want to learn English with this book. And when I look at the back, I saw Charles' picture. I look at my wife. I said, "I'm here, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with this guy. Man. This is for me. I'm gonna learn everything." <laughs> so yeah, my passion for for corals has been, um, you know, it, it was a, it's in my heart for for a long time. When I first set up my saltwater aquarium, I had only dead corals, but I used to, I remember, I used to look at the dead corals and look, oh man, how 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 this would look alive and you know how, how can we keep this alive in the, in the aquarium so and I, I I didn't know how how blessed I was when I started to work there and Charles never gave me easy life I was like oh man I have to work hard I I, I used to work a lot and I, it was pure pleasure it was pure pleasure what were some of the to typical work? things you had uh, you know you would do as a volunteer um we I used to do everything the students would do. For example, clean the glasses. I, I had maybe seven systems that I used to work with, including the fresh water. Um, clean the glasses, remove the gravel, because we had another gravel. I, I can't even talk too much about what I, what I do and I did at the aquarium because of the policy that they have. So, but anyways, um, I did the gravel. Uh, Everything that you can imagine, we um, removed the backdrops and acid the backdrops, all kinds of stuff like this. And it was because it was like about seven aquariums, seven tanks. Um, it it took from I used to be there six o'clock in the morning. Only oh, wow. Bruce Carson 
it's there. I used to arrive there. I was like, I want to sleep at the aquarium. I was so, <laughs> I'm so crazy for these corals. I want to sleep at the aquarium. So hold on, how many how many hours would you uh, spend a day as a volunteer? About six hours. Wow, that's a lot. Six to seven hours, maybe. Yeah, and to the point that my wife would call the aquarium because back then I, I didn't have cell phone. My wife used to call the aquarium, and Jerry Crow, one of my friends, I love Jerry Crow. He's a shark person um, and jellyfish. He studied about jellyfish. He's a scientist. He used to call me, Alex, your wife. <laughs> I thought, oh, man, I have to go home. <laughs> they had to oh, tear you man, away. Huh? So what was, it, what, I mean, what was it like working for both um, you know, Charles and, and Bruce? Those are such knowledgeable guys. I mean, what did, what did you learn from those guys? Like everything? Um, like I said, he never gave me easy life. I would have to study by myself most of the time and ask him questions. He was so busy, most of the time so busy. It was almost hard to talk to him about any subject. And I would have to ask him, like, uh, give him, give him a, like, um, can, you, can you tell me this? I, I ask one question, okay? One question. But that question, you know how it is, huh? Ten questions after. And he was like, yo, you, you, asked one, you said you were going to ask one question only, Alex. Come on, I don't have time for it. It was so hard to dialogue with him because uh, so much work to be done. Yeah. But, and my English was, my English is not perfect still. I never went to a school to learn English here. But, and I have the Brazilian accent and the local accent also because I, I learned over here. So it was like... Oh, man, he didn't have time to deal with me, and the English was so poor at the beginning. I don't blame him. <laughs> but just to work with him and watch him and Bruce. Bruce was Bruce is amazing. Bruce is a, an amazing person. He always, he is so humble. And Charles is humble, too. Bruce especially. He's so humble. He, he Many times, you know, you talk to him, it's all, scientific words come from the mouth like nothing. You talk to this, this kind of people, they... The scientists, they talk, the, 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 the scientific name is the regular name of the coral. They don't call these cartoon names. Right. That we are they're not playing. The, they're not playing the name game uh, there. <laughs> yeah, the name game. I, I don't like that. I don't like <laughs> Mucho Reef from Mucho Reef from, from Reef Center knows me. He will remember. Me and him, we used to go like, oh, man, we don't like this cartoon name stuff. And everybody else liked it. I remember Mucho Reef. Is is uh, Mucho Reef still around? I I don't recall seeing Mucho Reef. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But me and him, we were on it. Like, hey, stop this cartoon name stuff. It's all about profit. And it is. is. Yeah, things are really changed. And it became normal. Changed a lot. Changed a lot. I I I think this hobby has regressed in many ways. That's the truth. I mean, it's not because I'm a, a, you know, they call old school, whatever you can call me. Um, We try to adapt to things, but we want to keep the good stuff. We don't want to, we don't want to regress. When you don't talk about scientific names anymore, the new generation is not going to learn that. It's just like, just, just, just about like lighting, anything else in the hobby. If you don't teach the new generation, if you teach, teach wrong or agree with the wrong stuff coming and playing with it, this hobby is going to regress. It's not going to evolve. 
Uh, and this is scary. To me, this is scary, especially about lighting. I don't know if you want to talk you about lighting. You want to jump right into it? About <laughs> we can't talk about the rocks. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna play a video of your tank first before we jumped in the whole uh, lighting discussion. Yes. But um, yeah. I mean, so getting circling back okay. to the Charles and and uh, Bruce, um, you know, part of your uh, experience. Were there any major takeaways that you got from those guys in terms of reef keeping? Did did you learn anything? Um, you know that discipline. Discipline, discipline, respect, <clears throat> um, um, hygiene, don't mix, um, do not mix tanks. Like if you're working in one tank, you don't want to, you got to wash your hands so everything is really clean before you touch the other tank. That was one huge thing that I learned and I still do it when I have two tanks in the house. I don't mix tanks. I don't go and play with them one and bring to the next one. No, I try, I, I try to avoid doing that, even though I have only Hawaiian Zoentids in my systems. But every time that I had in my, through this, through my life, that I had two tanks in the house, I tried as much as I can to minimize the contamination and stuff like that. Um, what else? I, I learned a lot about not asking too much because they can get tired of it real fast and they... <laughs> The level is different. My level is nothing close to them. I know that. I know my place. I know my place. So I, I, I wish I could talk more and hours and hours and hours. Even today, I don't have access to Charles anymore. You know, I saw him uh, at Macna 2010, and I, I text him all the time. But it comes to a time that he's working. I mean, we all, it's, unfortunately, we all have our limits in in talking and about talking and and time to spend with you know talking about reef tanks and stuff and you know he's very busy and um, Bruce is um, I should say Dr. Bruce that's the respect I owe him he's he's amazing he's just so simple and so it's the best example of a person that I have in the reef hobby is Bruce Carson well I tried to um I tried to reach out to him to get him a be a guest on the show. I, I had trouble uh, contacting him, so maybe I should get his uh, contact info from you later or something. I don't know, but uh, I can, at least I, I had Charles on. Him. At least I had Charles on. Yeah, maybe on. Charles can talk to him. It would be easier. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'll get all three of you guys on at the same time. <laughs> I love Bruce Carson. Oh, man, I love that guy very much. And and Charles, I, I respect both of them. Not because they are famous people, because I respect the other people there. Uh, Karen Burton is famous now. She wasn't famous back in the day. And I used to tell her, you got to write stuff, man. Karen Burton, Jerry Crow, I own them. They're very good people. And I, I just, Norton Chain too, Kelly from the aquarium. I, I love them all. Just uh, just a couple of comments that I'm seeing in the chat here. Uh, Ryan Thompson, got to love Alex and being real about everything. Greg Carroll, I love his passion. Blue Reef. Hobby became a money hungry. I think it was uh, talking about um, referring to what we're talking about with the uh, the name game. Ryan Thompson, bring on the lighting! Exclamation point. It is a topic that needs serious attention right now. <laughs> Wish I could stay around, but the time to head home. We'll catch it later. And um, yeah, so let, let dude, let me uh, let me just play a little um, video of your uh, of your tank. And why don't you kind of it's playing right now. So why don't you kind of um, talk us through the, uh, the the system? So there's some limitations about having a reef tank in Hawaii, right? Yeah, we we were allowed when when we had when we were able to 
to collect with the permit. Uh, we had a permit, they, they had two types of permits, the, the recreational permit and, and the commercial permit. I had both of them because I used to work with the, with the um, importer. So I used to collect um, all kinds of, well, I could collect anything I wanted to import and we, we used to write down and give to the government, send to the government. Uh, but uh, um, the aquarium um, hobbyists permit, we can collect fishes on the, in the tide pools and stuff. We just can't use those long nets and very uh, little holes nets, you know, with the little holes. They have a limit for the holes, the size of the hole for the nets. But if you want to collect them in, a, in a tide pools and zoentids, you can collect, but you can't collect the, the live rock. You have to scrape them out of the rock, and you are allowed to to collect soft corals too. So we have we have a Sarcotelied monsonai. It's a soft coral that I like and I I have in my aquarium. But they they come they become pests too. Sarcotelia becomes a pest in the aquarium, but I still like it because that's all I have. <laughs> so in zoanthids we can collect zoanthids and palitoa. And you know by the way there is a lot of mis Mis, um, misleading in, in zoanted uh, cartoon names are just ridiculous to say the <laughs> least you know <laughs> it's yeah, just ridiculous are. they call poly a zoanted species so that kind of stuff makes me sad it's just like the regression is so it pierced pierce my heart like how can these people we when I was a kid when I was in my 20s I was like, oh man, this this is just the beginning. In the 90s, this is just the beginning. We're gonna go further than this. We're gonna understand much more than this. We're gonna have better metal halides, better, better systems, better pumps. We have we do have better pumps in, in a way, but the lighting nowadays is reg is regressing. Is regressing. Um, the cartoon names, I get it, it's it's mostly for commercial purposes. I don't, I don't agree because of the size of the, the colonies. The, you know, they can call frags. Frags are still colonies. Anyways, the, the frags are so tiny yeah. sometimes. It's just about the yeah. money. You know, when, I, when I give my zoanthids away, when they reproduce too, a lot and I have to give away, or I, I collect like bunches of eight, ten zoanthids. And even if I sell, I charge by the polyp, but I sell ten. I mean, I offer 10, 10, 8, 5, the minimum. They sell one poly. I know. $300, I know. whatever. This is, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. It has to stop. People have to, well, it won't stop. No, no, no. It's not only because Alex Corey is saying, but I, I believe, I truly believe that if, you, if we want to grow in this hobby, we have to respect the animals. The animals have to come first. I mean, I believe the people have to come first. We have to love each other, but we, we have to know we have to know that the animals that we keep, they're wild animals. They, we bring them from the ocean, and we are reproducing them in captivity, but we are not offering the best in most cases. You know, Money is in front of the health of the animals. That's what I see and in most cases. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the marketing has really kind of taken over and and um driven a lot of that in terms of the name game and and yeah i mean i've, I've certainly 
witnessed it over time. You know, I've been in the hobby for, for uh, 25 plus years. Maybe it's close to, uh, to 30 years. And, uh, you know, back when I first got into SPS, there were certainly um, some corals that were um, catching everybody's attention, like the Oregon Blue Tort, the Tyree Purple Monster. You know, I think um, so there was there was a lot of um, and I think some folks will uh, debate the uh, the actual uh, Tyree name in front of the Purple Monster. But that's a whole nother discussion. We can call that the beginning of yeah. the end or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, it's um, it's something that I guess it's it's this, it's it's a problem on both sides because you've got the uh, the coral vendors that are that are participating in that sort of thing and that are doing that sort of thing. And you've got the uh, the folks out there that are buying the corals that are actually paying the money. It's just kind of like, uh, you know, how are you going to stop it? Maybe, um, you know, there there needs to be I, I don't know. It's. It's so embedded now in the hobby. It's a it's a tough thing to uh, to shed. I think at this point in time. I think I think nothing is impossible um, for those who wanted to do it. If we get together, if we get together and forget about money, like in the sense of getting the little stuff for that much money, and and try to like, you know the. Whatever, um, whatever they do for money, we understand that part. They need to make money, okay? The business is business, but we still have living organisms in the business. So we should, we should little by little, little by little, try to change that. The way to change that today would be, for example, Jake Adams, do a, do a, make, a, make a video talking about the scientific names, put the pictures and try to uh, put that back into the, you know, on, on the, on the online. So people can begin to understand a little bit. If he does that and maybe four more people do that kind of stuff, they will change. Put on a website, scientific name. If you know, put the scientific name underneath the, the, the cartoon name and maybe, maybe two years, remove the, the cartoon name. Let's see what happens. Put numbers yeah, you know, instead think- of names. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I think another thing that um, I don't know if it's decreased in popularity. I don't have any statistics to back it up, but reef clubs, you know, I think those um, types of um, places to to get together. There's a lot of uh, and I I saw Greg Carroll make this comment that many people do still trade. And I think you see a lot of that going on in, in the reef clubs when they have like their monthly meetings and they get together and they bring a speaker and at least before COVID hit. Now, I, I think a lot of that's done being done via Zoom, but perhaps that'll change uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, then you have like a frag swap, a true frag swap, which is swapping of corals without money yeah. exchanging hands. <laughs> you know? This is, this is the, <clears throat> what I call the, the roots, the roots of, of the hobby. The essence of the hobby is to exchange. Listen, if we exchange... We, I can't exchange because I don't have echoes, man. <laughs> you guys got to grow them for me. But if, if, we, if the hobbyists is ex- exchange the corals, less corals will be collected to chop. And the money, the prices will be dropping. The more we exchange. But, you know, this, if we allow this wheel to grow, this, this snowball to grow more, it's going to be worse every day. 
it's going to be worse every day. If the if the real information is not going through the channels, it's going to be a snowball and it's going to destroy the whole thing. And it, it will destroy. It will destroy because it's destroying right now. In my point of view, I mean, I, I grew up. I grew up fragging. I was probably working with the first frags in the United States uh, before they fragged. To, to, to commercialize, I was doing in the coral farm here at the aquarium. And I was like, oh, man, I love this so much. And I, I respect so much the corals, too. People, you know, to the point that sometimes I used to publish back then, we got to respect the corals, the, the organs that we have in the aquarium. And, they, oh, you got to respect um, uh, Aptasia? I said, no, 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 no. That's not the way it should be. You know, it's not about Aptasia, man. It's about respecting in terms of um, spreading the message of of the respect we have for nature, because you know when you work with biologists, you you worry about you know the law in Hawaii right now, not collecting anything, anything. A lot of people lost their jobs because of that. You know, it's because of the way the hobby goes. They if they can prove if they can prove that the corals are mistreated somehow, they will. It's a bad message, but that's that's the reality. There are a lot of people against us, against the hobbyists, against this hobby, and they will publish stuff, things like what's the minimum light for the for the health of the of the the corals? What's the minimum? What's what's the perfect light? What's the best light? The minimum somebody can offer to a, a coral colony to sustain that in captivity. If they want to use that against us. They will win, in my opinion, and a lot of biologists' opinion. Because if you look into nature, we're not trying to reproduce it. I know it's a bad message, but that's reality. I'm not afraid to say that because so many people, sometimes they send me private messages and I see thanks. That I like, oh, man, how ugly. How The, 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 the corals are struggling. And why should we offer those type of conditions? We have a lot of channels more than before. And why the information now is going, um, is getting poor, it's getting uh, diluted. Why? Well, you've got, that. Um, you've got you know? social media, you've got um, anybody can start a YouTube channel and, and just um, talk about whatever they want to talk about. You've got people talking in the forums that, that might not be able to be backing it up with actual results. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's exactly. a big issue these days is you've got a lot of misinformation being um, peddled out there by folks that, that don't have the um, success to, um, to back that yeah. up. Well, I, I, can't, I, I, can't talk about, I can't talk about that too because when I go to the forum and I talk about stuff, I don't talk about scientific. I'm not a scientist. And what's... What do I have to back up what I see, what I see, what I experience, right? Experience is more than any scientific data. If you see anything in front of you working, you try to use science to justify that or to explain that. You don't, you don't use science to condemn something that's working perfectly, right? I think everybody would agree with that. But people, people come to me. When I talk about metal highlights, for example, people come to me and say, oh, but that LED has, has the perfect spectrum. What is perfe perfect to you? They bring the, 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 the graphics from the manufacturer, graphics from other people, but 
in reality, if you compare, it's not the same. Plus, if you get uh, uh, graphics, <clears throat> spectrum uh, charts from different um, sources of the same light, you will find them to be different too. They will show differently. Plus, there is another thing that people keep talking about. The spectrum, I've been saying this for a long time, okay? The sensors, the sensors can see only what they are made to see. They can't see more than that. They will transfer information to the paper or to the screen. What you see, the numbers you see, or spectrometer, anything, the sensors will read what they are made to read. They are not something spiritual. They will say everything that it, in reality, you know what I mean? They will. They are made to to transfer information the way the way they were made. They are not perfect too. Now, when you look at an aquarium and you see the perfect the perfect uh, environment and the growth like you see in nature, that is what I want. In my in my opinion, my opinion. When I when I go snorkeling and I see my zoas in the ocean. I want to reproduce that. Exactly. Coloration, growth, formation, colony formation, everything that you see in the ocean, if you can reproduce in, in the house, that's my goal. But, you know, that's not the message that has been spread lately. And so, um, all right, man, let's get into the whole, uh, lighting discussion. And I'm going to put my, uh, moderator on, uh, on alert here because, we, we had a very uh, you, you had a very passionate uh, discussion with Greg in the chat last week, and uh, perhaps that'll happen again. I don't know, but uh, let's keep it clean. Let's let's keep. It I love you, clean. Greg. It's I all it Greg. was all it was all good. I love all of last you. week anyway, so I don't even know why I'm like saying this. But um, so we had we, last week we had a panel discussion about lighting. You know, we had Tulio on and, and the Reef Beef dudes. Uh, Ben and uh, Rich, it was a lot of fun talking about that stuff in terms of lighting. But um, you and I, you and I have had some uh, conversations about lighting, and you mentioned to me that um, when we were talking about halides versus LEDs, that there are gaps in the spectrums for LEDs versus metal halides. Can you explain that to me in more detail in terms of what you meant by gaps in the spectrum for LEDs versus metal halides? Okay. Uh, um, physically speaking, in terms of watching, the LED, we have diodes. We have different diodes all over. Okay, when you transfer that light, if you, even if we put a diffuser, that light will be will not be as uniform as a T5 light. Okay, first of all. If you, if you are making an LED and putting a diffuser, you're not imitating the sky. You're imitating a T5. You're mimicking a T5 bulb. And that's what the LED people, the LED manufacturers are doing lately. They're not imitating, they're not mimicking the sky. You know, I've been saying about, everybody knows that I like metal halides and T5s now, okay? Why? Because the T5 is, has a, a small diameter and you can fit, you can fit we don't have uh, too much VHOs anymore. We, we, can't, we can't buy very easily, but they're still selling VHOs. 
But when you have a small tank like mine, 75 gallon, when you put a, when you put a T5 in a, a good um, reflector, it will do a better job because of the, the room available, the, the surface area available over the tank. So I have two, I have four T5s, four a, a, um, ATI Blue Plus, and I have two 14K. Hamilton is, uh, I just, I'm testing Hamilton now, right now, and I have a two, uh, two 250s, but I think it's too strong for my tank because of the, the par is, it's more par than the 20K, but I'm testing and I'm loving it, you know. Uh, see, I, I get lost. I have so many things in my mind to say. <laughs> but when you, when you, what I was talking about. We're talking about gaps when, in the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you, when you have the, the LEDs, okay, physically looking at the LEDs, you know already there is beams there, beams of light. And Tulu has, has have been saying, I've been talking about that. Even if you put a diffuser, you still have a lot of different colors to pr project that light to your system, okay? That is not as if you had a T5 system running with a totally uniform light. Plus, when you look at the T5s, if you put a, uh, an ATI uh, some power in front of you and you turn on, you will see how bright it is. Each of those reflectors, they are made to connect the light really, like even if you have different spectrums, they blend perfectly. The, the, the higher you put, the higher you put the fixture, the more bland you will be. It's just like LEDs. But LEDs are different in nature. There's no comparison. LEDs don't have UV, the UV that the, 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 the T5 has. The T5 has, naturally has a UV. If you put a, a panel with the LEDs and you put two UV, do you think it's going to be the same thing? Come on, man. It's not going to be the same thing as you have the whole distributed UV from the light. And that's the nature of the bulb. That's the nature of the, the physics involved. Okay, the UV from the from the from the T5 will bounce on the on the on the reflector. Will bounce everywhere, and it's uniform. It's not like two, three UV over here. Are you kidding me? This is a joke. <laughs> it is a joke. Ask the kids if you don't believe me. Ask your kids, five years old. Come here. Look at that. Look at the radion. What do you think? Christmas lights? That's what they tell me. When I go to the store and see, they oh, this is, this is Christmas lights with, with, uh, with um, lenses. And people don't like when I say that. It's kind of an aggressive way to say, but kids told me, have told me that. You know, I, I tell people, when you don't believe me, you call, call your grandma. Your grandma <laughs> will tell you the truth. Somebody that never saw aquariums in their lives or don't even pay attention to lighting on a reef aquarium, ask them. You know, and another thing about the gaps, scientifically speaking, because, well, I can't prove that, but I, I, I've told like twice, people that used to work with LEDs, when they make the spectrum, they have to smooth the spectrum. That's true for any lighting, any lighting, but especially LED. The LED has a spectrum, like really, you know, the lines. I, I prefer, because I'm not a scientist, I prefer to tell people to look into the real life. 
What's the results? They are all different. Metal halides, T5s, and LEDs. They, are, they have different results. Nobody can contest it. Nobody can say they don't have different results. They are just like the same. Or one is better than the other. Now, if you tell me that LED is better than the metal halide, you are joking. You are joking. There's no comparison. After all what Tulio has been said about lighting all these years, if you tell me they ignore Tulio, they ignore Tulio. When I talk to people and I want to tell people, listen, what do you have to say about what Tulio de la Quila is saying about uh, metal halides? He's an LED uh, manufacturer. He makes LEDs. He's the first. I think he would be feeling guilty to introduce uh, LEDs in the hobby. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he is. <laughs> he is talking very good about metal halides. People come to me and say, oh, they're not going to be available. Is in they're not going to be available. That's a lie. Rumors. A lot of rumors in the hobby. They're not going to be a lot. They're not going to be available. Uh, radiums are not being produced. Um, it's things for the past. Greg just said that you know it, it's it's not evolving. It is evolving. They have ceramic metal halides right now going on. You know, they have ceramics metal halides. Some some of the guys are trying uh, ceramic metal halides. Go to the forum, go reef to reef, and and try to look. Um, we got and, we, and, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna I was gonna just mention a couple oh, things in the chat. Go ahead, go ahead. You you, you spurred on some pretty good uh, chat discussion here, uh, Alex. <laughs> oh, and by the way, if uh, if you folks are uh, liking this content, please hit that like button, smash that like button, <laughs> so we get more people that will uh, tune into this live stream. So we got close to sixty viewers right now and only twenty seven likes. So uh, get to it, folks. So. Uh, Jeff says T5s have very little UV emissions unless especially designed with quartz envelopes. Yes. Do you agree with that? Okay. And uh, I agree. Of course. Yeah. Little. Yeah. Greg is saying, although Tulia is a great resource for lighting, I have always kept, uh, uh, I always keep in mind that he sells LED product that is very limited. Um, G Sander, 43 years in the hobby and the best days are over in my opinion. I've had all the lighting over the years and best my uh, tanks ran uh, metal halides, VHOs, or metal halides slash T5s. And uh, Aquari, Aquaris, I can't pronounce this, uh, Aquarismo de result. Maybe you can pronounce it there, Alex. You're not looking Aquarismo at the... Aquarismo de resultado. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, every LED has its unique spectrum, but you can mix many LEDs, and using a diffuser, you can get good results. But I prefer T5, then metal halides, and, and last for LEDs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please take a moment to leave the chat. Yep. So listen, have, um, what else you, you mentioned UV and, uh, you also mentioned to me that, uh, LED manufacturers are trying to mimic the UV and infrared parts of the spectrum for halides. And when you mimic yeah. something, you typically are not going to be able to match what you are mimicking. Is that, uh, do I have that correct? Well, <clears throat> Orfac published um, about a paper, uh, not a paper, but about a German guy that was trying to uh, find out more about um, infrared radiation for corals. Okay, so if you go to Orfac website, the website uh, Orfac's website, you you will see. They're talking about the infrared and 
ultraviolet importance for corals. We know about uh, um, UV long ago, 260 nanometers and, and so. Since Charles' book came out, we know that. But the, the infrared was also important. And I've been saying that since, since 2012, okay? I've been, me, me and there is another guy at Rift to Rift, uh, JDA. I love that guy. That guy is, you know, there is, there are some, some of the guys, some of the old folks, they, they, I, I learn a lot with them because I don't know everything. I'm isolated. You guys have to understand I'm isolated in an island. <laughs> You're stuck on a big and I'm rock. I'm not allowed to have a reef in the house. <laughs> I just love this too much, but I'm not allowed to have a reef in the house. So my, my, my hands-on is basically at the Waikiki Aquarium, okay? And I, I appreciate that. Anyways, some of these guys, they, uh, JDA brought up um, the Emerson, Emerson's um, effect, which is a boost on the photos, in the photosynthesis. After, if you have uh, the, the, the red light, about 680 nanometers, and a plus, a plus uh, red light in conjunction, in, in, at the same, happening at the same time. For example, they tested a 700 nanometer peak with the 680 nanometer peak, and the boost of photosynthesis went after that. They, so they, they noticed that there is a boost in photosynthesis if they use the infrared radiation in conjunction, in, in, together with the 680 red. That alone shows that we, by observing the metahalide systems, we understand now that the photosynthesis is very, is very important for the, the boost of photosynthesis in that region. That's why ORFAC decided to do, to make the, his, this new diode and introduce the um, infrared. Is that the best light that we can, we can offer to the corals? No, because we have mineral light. Period. Period and <laughs> I, can, I can say better than that. Is that the best light you can, you can offer to the corals if you choose to use LEDs? In my opinion, yes. So uh, thanks to John Reed from Vermont for the super chat. Thank you, John. And his comment is, I'm going to do the best to uh, pronounce this because I think it's in por Portuguese. Uh, e Quero um, stream on um, Portuguese. Is that uh, I don't close know. at all to what? Uh... I don't know. I know the other guy. I don't know this one. I don't know. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, let me ask you if... Um, if, if you believe, you know, and, and others believe that uh, metal halides, T5s, are superior in terms of growing, coloring up corals versus LEDs, why do you think there are so many coral farms out there that are using strictly LEDs to uh, grow their corals? Because they, they, they get the rumors that it's not going to exist anymore. They get the companies that come to them. I'm sorry, that's, that's what I think. And that's what I see through videos and stuff. The companies come and offer LEDs to promote their, their LEDs. And that's, a, see, I'm not, I'm not condemning, the, condemning those, those companies. I'm just saying that 
that's the reality. Then when it comes and, and, and bring LEDs to, to, the, to the most famous guy, who is the most famous? By the way, last time you said Tulio is the guru of lighting. He's not. He's the expert. The guru of lighting came from India, and that's Dr. Oh. Sanjay Joshi. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, had, I had Sanjay I on uh, last fall, and I hope to have him on again uh, this year. Extremely uh, knowledgeable and great guy. Um, yeah, talking about, uh, talking about Sanjay. He has, I've been, I've been publishing, I've been bugging him on Facebook. He didn't know it was me. Now he can see my face. I've been telling him, just put those oh, metal lights back, man. Just put those metal metal highlights. Yes, put those response? metal highlights back, because that poritis that poritis will become yellow again. These corals are dull, and they are not looking good. Even though even though that brass is spitting um, gra gravel on them and stuff, I bet you it was it would be much better with those metal highlights. And he knows that. He actually told you the other day, right? For my tank, for my tank, he said, a big tank, metal highlights still the best. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Quality, quality and application, they go together. If you have a 150-gallon tank, 120-gallon tank, you have to put more T5s for the application for the tank than a 20-gallon in wattage, in size, right? You have to adapt. If you have a metal halide for my tank, would it be like two 150-watt metal halides, right? The quality is there. For his tank, he needs four, three metal halides. He needs three, 400 metal halides for his tank, right? Application. It's not only for big tanks. It's for small tanks, too. Yeah, you know, Greg makes a point. Um, hey, we had 50-gallon tanks. Yeah, you know, Greg. Yeah, Greg application is everything. Greg brings up a point yeah, about, yeah. Um, you know, the heat and all that stuff and the metal halides. And, you know, I think that's that's a um, it's a concern for, I think, for some folks that, um, you know, are in areas where they're not, um, you know, where, where they, they can get away without a, uh, an aquarium chiller. You know, being in Vermont, I've, I've got um, metal halides on my 187-gallon system. <clears throat> so I've got two over the, uh, the display tank, and then I've got two frag tanks. And so I've got two halides over each of those uh, frag tanks. And even today, when it was um, probably in the, uh, the high 50s, low 60s, you know, my temperature was getting up over um, 80 degrees to, to like 81 degrees. But, you know, so my fans kicked on. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's debatable, though, in terms of if, if it's more expensive versus LEDs in terms of electricity. I think, you know, um, when when you weigh the, the cost of replacing metal halide bulbs, you know, over time and you look at the wattage of... Um, you know, the uh, the LED fixtures versus the wattage that you have in the middle halide bulbs, it seems to be kind of like a wash, you know, in, in terms of the, uh, yeah. from the wattage perspective. So it's really kind of like you're getting down to the cost of the bulbs and then, um, you know, extra electricity you would be spending to chill the, uh, the tank. So, you know, it would be interesting to kind of make that comparison in terms of the true cost. I think over, like we talked about last week, after four or five years, you're going to have to replace those led fixtures because they will lose um you know their intensity at, at, at that point in time you know with the with metal halides you don't have to worry about that if you don't mind um you know having stuff that uh you know kind of is a little old and dusty i mean i still have luminarch reflectors that are 20 the years best. old that are on over 
you know, my, one of my frag tanks. And all I've been doing is just changing out bulbs of those things. But again, it's, it's not uh, okay. over display tanks. I don't care about the way it looks, even though it looks like crap, because it's just like this old bulky, gigantic uh, reflector. And, and that's not going to look good. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best. Yep. It's the best. A lot of distribution, just like the Cozumel from, from, from Hamilton, a lot of distribution, even though, even though you use a, a smaller bulb or in a small system, I mean, I mean, small wattage, like, like if you change from 400 to 250 or 175, if the tank is, is short and stuff, this distribution for that fixture is amazing. So, well, you said a lot of stuff and I had everything in mind. Now I, I get all confused. <laughs> um, I have something else to say. And I don't, I don't mean to confuse you even more, but what are, you, what are your thoughts in terms of the new um, panel style lights out there, like the um, the Neptune skylights and the, the Philips Coral Care? Do you think that's a step in the right direction because you're trying to um, you know do a better job of blending or coverage? Okay, let's talk about the first. First, let's talk about the the why the the, the heat the heat issue for the metal lights. Okay, heat issue. I live in Hawaii. And then when I had my aquarium, my 250 watt, two, 250 watt over my 75 gallon, over here is hot, man. It's real, real hot. My house was hot. I put a fan blowing between the water surface and the fixture, 10 inches from the water. The chiller almost never came yeah. on. When, when I had my T5, same thing. When I had my LEDs, same thing. Because over here, I need a chiller no matter what. Okay. If all these excuses that people use, because if we look into the electricity, if you look into the uh, heat, um, changing bulbs, are you... Are you guys kidding me? I'm ta I'm talking to the whole world now. Are you guys kidding me? Changing a light bulb, your hand's gonna fall. It's once a year. The quality the quality has to be more important than to offer to the whole year. You're offering the best quality light to the to the system, not only to the corals, to the system. You look at the coral and algae, you might think you go like, "What the heck? It's much better than any other LED." I mean. There's a lot of species, different species of coralline algae that will adapt to systems. They will grow. They will grow good. They will grow. But, you know, I can use T8s and T12s to grow them too. But when you put them in halides, it's just like in the ocean. It's unbelievable. You see the white around the coralline algae growing on each other, and it's just sick, crazy. But, you know, these excuses... What I, what I asked the people about when he talked about that, I said, what is your priority? Is your priority the best you can offer? The best quality? After all what Tulu has been said about metal and comparing them, they are ignoring. This hobby is ignoring what Tulu de la Quilla is saying. He's the best person to say. If Alex Correa say that kind of stuff, they're going to laugh at me. Who is this guy? Just because he worked with these people? No. Tulio de la Quila is the one who introduced the LEDs in the hobby. And he's the one He's the one who actually sells LEDs, makes them, and he's saying, basically, if you think I'm lying, go, go ahead and look at the videos. 
What the village? Primeiro realize is a hard animal to beat. Primeiro realize is a hard animal to beat. And application, remember, don't think the Sanjay said, oh, just for big tanks. No, 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 no. What about my tank? I'm not gonna have it because it's only for big tanks. I have to have a lot of money to have a big tank and I don't have that much money. So uh, if I want a, a 20 gallon, I can put a 70 watts if they sell, if you find them. But because of what this hobby has been doing to the metal halides, now, if you agree the metal halide is the best lighting and the best to mimic the sunlight, the sun, the sunlight, which Tulio also said that in one of the interviews. He, he actually said that, and I agree. And, and just by seeing my kids, we go snorkeling all the time. I said, how can I prove that this light is just like the sun, man? And they go, just look at it, the kids. Just look at it, daddy. That's the way. Because that's, that's the way we should. Science is just to back up the reality. Let me, let me explain that. I, I want to tell you one thing. They just discovered... And they will make an Apogee a sensor. I was talking to Dana Rito yesterday. They will make an Apogee sensor now. They're making now a called uh, EPAR because they discovered that a part, there's a part of the infrared that inf make a huge influence. The Emerson effect that I just said, that I just spoke about. That part of the infrared is very important for photosynthesis. Now, everything is gonna change. You know what the part is gonna be? Not from 400 to 700, but to 750. Scientifically speaking, go to Apogee website and watch the video. EPAR, watch the guy, the old man, and tell me if you believe him, because if you don't believe me, you gotta believe him, right? I'm just a regular guy. I'm just a hobbyist. <laughs> they love metal halides because of the results. I don't love metal halides because it's old and I'm old school or whatever title you want to give me. But I, I love what the results are. And I see, whatever I see is what I attest. I, I go like, I tried, I tried LEDs and it didn't work. Oh, you did try LEDs? It, it's not the same. Yes, I did. What's the best LED that you think? The panels. I, I agree with the panels are so the, the new uh, like Pucks Neptune are, Sky. Pucks are a joke. Yes. I, I no. <laughs> I had a lot of argument with the sky guy. Oh yeah, what's your <laughs> what was your uh, point about the skylights? It's just it's just another panel, man. It's not in my opinion, you know, they can say whatever they want. They can put a lot of graphics showing how they made it. The best LEDs in the world, the best uh, LED fixtures in the world are, are the panels. They are the panels. Lani, Lani is one of the best in Europe. They're, Philips, they're, they're expensive care. though, right? The Lani. Very yeah. expensive. Yeah. A little bit for, for, four centimeters by four centimeters, more than a thousand dollars. Are you kidding me? Right. How many million yeah. dollars? <laughs> Super expensive. That's another, that's another thing that I have to say. Why, why? For the, for the sake of God, why people are spending that much money for lights, plastic lights, <laughs> to replace the glass? When you, when you want to drink water, you choose glass or, or plastic. You choose the glass. This is good. Well, I like to, Man, I like to drink my glass. beer out of the can, so uh, I don't know how that uh, <laughs> figures in the uh, discussion. But uh, 
They don't have aluminum leads yet. <laughs> so um, if you had the option to use, well, I guess I already know the answer to this question, so maybe I shouldn't even ask it. This is stainless steel. Stainless this steel. is stainless steel. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. If I, if I had to put a gun to your head, which LED would you be using right now? Or Perfect. Yeah. And don't kill me. Uh, well, well, I didn't catch that. Oh, don't kill me. Don't you. kill me, please. I, uh, <laughs> I don't uh, have a lot of knowledge about those guys, but I think some in the chat uh, do have an opinion about those folks, and um, maybe we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> well, because, because of, because of the, because of the, what they, what they're, they're doing, lights. They're and because lights, of, right? yeah, the panel lights, and, and you got to spend a lot of money. Why, why would you spend money with those guys? You know, if you can, you can, if you can buy, go to another. Oh, this this is really important. Okay, people are saying, Jake Adams, you've been said. I left a comment there. They were talking about the Reef to Reef forum. That I comment and I I explain to people, radium bulbs are not out of production. They are producing the bulbs. This is rumors. This is against the hobby. In my opinion, this is against the hobby. We have to be friends. We have to help each other. Metal halide has to be accepted. Even though you think LEDs are growing, growing, the production are growing, the, tech, the, the, the new technology, whatever you want to label this, this you know, event that's going on for a while. Metal halides are still being sold. Hamilton sold so many fixtures and, and bulbs and everything. In January, they went out of stock a lot, a lot of stuff. Okay? Everybody was going to Hamilton. Why? Because we don't have Greg. We don't have the XMs anymore. We don't have those old stuff. We don't have fixtures like we used to have. We have Hamilton and Reefbrite. And I appreciate those two companies. Hamilton especially, he... I, I don't even know how, how they are still producing. They, they are producing metal halides like, be, like before. They have the Cebu system. They have the, the, everything they had before. They have only the B-mini they don't have, the small one. And I, 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 I'm so sorry they don't have that one because we could, we could light a, a small tank with that B-mini, 70 watts or 150 watts. You know, we have all... all all types of, of fixtures available it went out of stock. They're producing right now. What is, what's going on with this uh, market promoting LEDs? Radeon came with a uh, comparison with metal halides and T5s with that little Apple-looking coral lab, which is from them, saying that, oh, yeah, we have this. This is better than LEDs. Listen, application is everything. I know that Tulio can't say stuff about that because he's friends of them. I'm not, I'm not friend of anybody. I'm friend of the, with the truth. <laughs> and I try to express myself the way I am. Listen, for that application, if they put the radions very high from the water in a, in a facility like that, it works. Are you going to do that in your aquarium? Are you going to do that in your aquarium? You're going to have a... a, a uh, a little water, like uh, 20 inches of water or 24 inches, whatever they had, and put two yeah. feet from it, you're going to do that? That application is not the same application, so that application should not sell the fixture. 
at least to the hobbyists. Application is everything, right? So if they, if they sell their fixture showing, proving metal halide, this, that metal halide, that metal halide was far from the water. Are you going to use the metal halide that far from the water? No. Application is everything. The T5 fixture is very far, two feet from the water surface. It was just a little bit of water, guys. That application works for that facility, not for your aquarium. And then, again, everybody, oh, my God, the metal halide, poor metal halide. The, the radions are much better. Do that in your system, and you're going to burn your corals in no time. Listen, we have to, we have to understand that the, the facts, the reality of, of lighting is what it is when we see if they put in a paper, a nice paper, and they publish, everybody swallow that like, like nothing, like an ice cream. Like, oh, man, this is so good. I'm going to buy them. They made a lot of money. And I'm not blaming them. That's their <laughs> job, right? That's their job, man. Good job, guys. You did very good. You are the best in selling. Okay? Coral Lab. Look, listen to this name. Oh, man, I feel good. I'm going to buy it. And they are shiny. They are shiny. Listen, plastic fixtures with plastic bulbs and with fans on top. Is that the best way you're gonna put in your? Uh, you're gonna light your tank? Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, it's not the best way. It's not the well, best way. Applications, everything. I hear you, man. But, you know, you got. You know, there's a lot of people are. Um, you know, in the chat are. are um, very uh, you know, passionate one way or the other about either yeah, they hate either they, they love they, they love uh, the metal halides or they hate them and and but it's you know it's cool it's great to have options yeah. in this hobby and and that's what makes it a yeah. lot of fun. There's no cookie cutter way to do uh you know in terms of the lighting. So hey, you know, I'm not sponsored. I'm not, not sponsored, sponsored by, by anybody. anybody. If Hamilton comes to me and say you know I'm gonna sponsor you, I, I'm gonna say no, I can't because otherwise I'm not gonna be able to tell the truth. I, I don't live by uh, doing this kind of stuff. I have a regular job. I'm a, a hard worker. I'm a hobbyist. I'm, I'm a consumer. And as a consumer, I, I have analyzing and debating and uh, try to, you know, it's, it's my right. And, 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 and this is like this sky is just another lead. You know, you want to compare lead with lead, it's okay. But don't compare to, with metal halides. My problem with Skype is not, it's not um, Mark Levinson. If he got for free or whatever they were talking in a comment, I love him very much. I know him for a long time. Melev, I love you. And he knows. I talked to him all the other day. I call him to, to tell him I love him. And it's not, it's my, my deal is not with him. It's the propaganda from leads. They are destroying this hobby, in my opinion, doing that. You want to make a good lead, make a good lead, man, but compare to the, the next door lead that you have. Don't try to compare to metal halides. This is old. This is, this is ridiculous. And whoever thinks I'm a troll, Jake Adams <laughs> was talking about that the other day. I'm not, man. And you know that. You go look at your videos. Alex, you're, you're, Alex, you're far from a troll. All right, man, let's... Uh, let's, let's Let's switch topics here. We're uh, yes. we're about five after uh, eight o'clock here in my time, and and um, so we've been talking about lighting for a while. Let's talk about 
live rock versus dry rock. This is another favorite yes. topic I like to talk about. What are your? Uh, I, I already know the answer to this. What What are your thoughts on using dry rock versus live rock? Well, it's it's very basically very simple. Okay, when you when you have the problems, I saw Mike Paletta um, talking about, um, you know the. I think the Germans or in Europe, some, somebody told him about uh, that was the reason why, because you use dead rocks. Uh, it's not exactly that. Um, if you use uh, dead rock, but you're using the right way and, and the, right, the right rock, you're not going to have problems. Okay, It's just if you get a junk rock or... If you have something in the system, sometimes they have other stuff going on in the system, and they blame the dry rock. It's not exactly the dry rock is the problem. I mean, we have different kind of dry rock, marker rocks, or whatever they have there in the mainland. Uh, one, I, I've seen them here. They sell at the store. I don't think there's any problem, major problem with that, but could if they have... They can have uh, what we call, um, you know, some substances besides aragonite, dolomite, stuff like that. It could they could pollute the system somehow, but I think every every dead rock should be cured first, just to prevent anything like that. Now, what I, what I think people do, I'm not sure about that because everybody's different, but when they have problems, they just spill some water on the rock and everything is cool and threw the rock there. That's not the way I should do. I would do. I would just leave the rock curing for maybe a month or two in the fresh water, changing the water, removing the excess of anything bad that could have. We cannot prove if anything uh, could be there to provoke, like I don't think phosphates would be binded to the rock because they are mined rocks, but I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but the way I do ro my rocks, because we can't collect right, live so rocks. Right, so you have to use dry rock to start it? We have to use coral, um, crushed coral or whatever we can buy, or we can collect sand, collect sand one pound per huh, person okay. per day. That's the law. And we go with the family, and we, we collect the sand, one pound per person per day. Get even a, get if little, we have uh, go can you get a little multiple rock times. on that sand. <laughs> yeah, can if it's dry. Yes, if it's oh. dry, we can. If it's on the beach and dry, we can we can get the rock. There's no problem. It's totally legal to do that as long as we do uh, one pound per person per day. Uh, so, Holly, so you mean I, to tell I, me I if you, you want 100 rocks, pounds of uh, sand, you, you gotta you gotta do that. You gotta get like 100 of your friends together on that day, or you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> or go yeah. multiple times. That's ridiculous, but that's the way it is. I mean, this is to prevent people to come and yeah. sell sand. It makes it difficult for the person. You know, easier to be caught collecting a lot of sand in a in a particular beach or something some of the beaches here they have beautiful sand so they could use that and sell at the stores if there was no law that's what i think about it so that's a that's a way to prevent um an explosion of you know over collecting yeah. so sand you, can even collect, and, you know uh, black sand hmm. 
Yeah, but we don't have black sand here in the island. Yeah. We have in the big island yeah. in Hawaii. Uh, we have green sand here sometimes um, in a, some other spots, and that's that's a type different type of sand, but it's it's not really good. The best sand for aquariums is basically aragonite sand or crushed coral, in my opinion. You know, and the rocks that they sell there in the mainland, I believe they are aragonite and and or dolomite or something like that, calcium carbonate. So I don't think most of most of the rocks are okay to be used. We have some rocks here at the aquarium that we used from from the mainland, and I I don't see much problem with that. Other problems in the aquarium are attributed to the water, the water system, you know, the water filtration, even the water filtration, you, you can have problems filtering wrongly, you know, in the wrong way. So I think, I think um, when you use cement, for example, I use cement, white cement, Portland number one, that's the one I use. And I cure for 60 days after I finish all the rocks, I, I put, I, I make the, I make the, the concrete, with uh, aragonite sand, I buy from Caribbean and I make with aragonite because the aragonite will, the, the crystallization is different and it, it will release some of the, some of the benefits we have. The, the aragonite has some benefits to the system. It will not maintain alkalinity, yeah. of course, but will will be better than not, better than not having the, the, the aragonite. So I prefer to use aragonite. I use uh, coral sand too many times it doesn't really matter but as long as you cure the rocks in fresh water for 60 days you should be good to go and the ph goes up to 11 12 for the first day if you allow the rocks to 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 release all the calcic properties of the cement and after that you change the water every day or every other day and you will measure the pH of the water and everything's going to be fine. Now, when you, when you guys talk about problems, having the problem, oh, my, my aquarium was junk, I had to redo the whole thing, it's probably because you didn't so cure when you, the what, rocks. Explain what the you rocks define as curing the rocks. Are you essentially putting them in a Rubbermaid uh, you know, bucket or tub and putting a little fish food in there um, you know, every day? Or Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, curing the rock is simply removing the cal the calcic or anything else. In the case of the natural mined rock, you you put the rock in the fresh water in a container and let it soak. Let the air come out of the of the holes. Let it soak with the fresh water. That fresh water will remove any excess of uh, contaminants or anything earthly contaminants. Are you talking about fresh fresh water has. or fresh salt water? Fresh water, tap water, yeah, tap water. Um, we don't, we don't have to go too crazy about it. It's just like put the rock there, change the hundred percent of the water. Water the plants with the water, if if that's the case. Water the plants. That's how I do here. I water all the, I remove the whole thing, and I do every like I, when I make my rocks, when I want to make a new system, I make all the rocks and I cure at the same time, so I can save water that way. And I, you can turn off the sprinklers. And you can use the water to water the whole, uh, all the plants you have with a, with a pump or something. Connect the pump to the hose and water the plants so you don't waste that water. 
and then you fill up again. Some people, when they make uh, plugs, for example, <clears throat> with concrete, they put in the in the uh, toilet uh, the toilet tank, and every time you flush, <laughs> you're changing that water. Problem is, you can, you you're putting that stuff on inside the drain too. So you gotta there might be some you know the the the, the caustic properties of the the concrete could, in some cases, I don't know if they could damage the pipe or something. I never did that before, but that's how people do. They save water that way. So when you finish, when you finish after 60 days, you you look at the you uh, check the pH. It should be between 8.0 and 8.2. I'm showing, I'm showing your uh, the pH, showing your pH of the water. monitor. Yeah. So yeah, that's nine point six yeah. if I yeah. if I'm not wrong. Yeah, that was probably the second day or the third day. Normally, when you put when you put the rocks, you don't you're not gonna measure the pH because it, we, you still have a twenty four hour uh, period to notice how much the pH will will be you know growing or you know how much the pH will change. So after twenty four hours, you check, you see the pH is gonna go sky high with the concrete. After all that, 60 days, you put the rocks in the system, okay, in the salt water. I don't put animals. So freshly made, freshly made salt my, water, you put that rock after 60 days into the um, freshly made salt water. Well, after, after 60 right. days of curing, the curing process of removing all the calcic properties of the, the cement, I put in the salt water. And then I'm going to adapt that rock to the salt water and measure the pH too. When the thing stabilizes, you put the live sand. That's how I do. I grab some live sand from another system or from, from a little bit from the beach, and I put it put in there. And then I change with natural seawater. In my case, I have access to natural seawater. In your case, on the mainland, you can get water from another system. So you're, Relatively you're using clean um, water. established seawater um, with with the biological uh, bed already kind of like in place to kind of seed that rock. Yeah, no, to mix to mix with the the initial um, right water that I that I that I mixed like the salt salt uh, the the artificial yep. water the uh, salt, salt artificial salt water and then I, I I start to add the bacteria from the the water from established system is the best thing to introduce bacteria. Okay. Now the difference between artificial live rock and um, natural live rock, you you can't compare the formation of the structure of the natural seawater with the commercialized mined. Um, um, dry rock because they are just different in structure the the natural the natural come the natural art uh the natural live rock comes with a lot of life too but inside that rock has bad and good bacteria no matter what there will be atasia in it okay there will be a lot of junk so what i do what i, I cannot collect live rock even if i could listen what i do i go to the reef you can do this with the aquarium. I can do this if I set up another aquarium. I can get from my aquarium now. I scrape the coralline algae from the pumps, and I introduce the coralline algae in the, the new system. We're showing that picture right now, Alex. 
You have to do this slowly through the, through the weeks, through the months. It has to be a slow process. You can't just throw the thing there and think, oh, everything is cool. I, can. I understand that some people preach that they, we can have a coral in the system without live rock, without anything. In the case of making live rock, this is what I recommend because of the process of making it suitable for the life that you want to do, higher life, let's put this way, the corals and the fish, because you, first you have to settle the bacteria and make it stable. So when you introduce the bacteria, you can introduce the bottle bacteria if you want to. I prefer from the system. Because, listen, when you have a system made only with uh, bottle bacteria, at one point, after many months and years, you will actually have a lot of bacteria from other systems because you will introduce corals from there. And that's what makes your aquarium rich. The system is rich in bacteria because of the other systems. You bring one little coral, you bring that bacteria inside your system. Even if you dip, you still get some. You will uh, introduce some good bacteria and bad bacteria too. Every system has both of them, unfortunately. You know, and, and, and after a while, you will see, like in my case, when I set up a tank and I use natural seawater, the bacteria is already there. It's like instant. And I put live sand, it's already there. Only the rocks are dead. Guess what? Bacteria from the sand will attach to the rock like no time. And the bacteria in the water will establish much faster. I can turn on the lights, even metal lights, guys. I can turn on the lights in a, in a week and everything is going to be great. The algae cycle is going to come because it comes from the ocean. In your case, all the algae that is introduced in your system that you remove the water and, and seed it, that new system, then the, the, whatever algae you have, or whatever bacteria you have, you're going to introduce there and it's going to be very similar. But another thing that people have to understand, you have to wait for the, 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 the algae cycle to and then when the algae cycle finishes you will start to see the coralline algae if you use if you use natural seawater and natural uh, sand live sand it takes about four months for me to, to see the coralline algae only if you use natural because it's like almost 100% well basically 100% of natural seawater in the system it, it goes much faster the amount of bacteria is like so what do you think? Uh, why, why do you think most people have uh, issues with dry rock? Do you think it's just the um, the lack of patience? Do you think that um, they kind of panic at certain points in time when they get into that ugly phase and just start throwing the kitchen sink at it? Do you think um, you know it's just not using having enough biodiversity and adding enough um, you know good bacteria to the tank at that early stage? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, can you please define? What's wrong with the what 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 happens? Why why they think there is something wrong? Can you please define that because I wanna I don't wanna listen to you and analyze that part. Uh, you know, it could be a dinos, a dino outbreak. It could be um, diatoms. It could be a cyano. It could be uh, corals are just dying for some reason. You know, at an early stage. Okay. Basically speaking, that's what it is, right? That's what I said. The algae cycle 
all this is part of the algae cycle. You have to wait until the algae cycle stabilizes and then you introduce the corals. The reason why that happened is basically because they introduce the corals within the same period of the, um, the, la the, the algae cycle happening. And that's because, uh, because of what the old school guys learned with Alf Nielsen, that's the basics of reef keeping. But nowadays people want to go faster. They think because the bacteria is in the bottle, it's going to be a magic bottle. No, it's not. It's not. It's actually longer if you don't introduce more. That's why um, Mike Paletta said very well about that when he said that he introduced a lot of bacteria from all, all, all kinds of bottles that he could find. And probably the German guys told him that or you in Europe, whatever, whoever said. And that's why, because diversity is what brings equilibrium, the balance of, of the system in bacteria, uh, talking about bacteria, is it's mostly uh, the, the fight for the stronger, or I don't know how to express myself saying that, but it's, it's the diversity will, um, will be better at the in the beginning than later on. If you introduce, if you introduce any good bacteria be, uh, after a long time and you don't have a balanced system, the competition will, can bring some disturbances. And then you see algae. Cyanobacteria is a normal thing. Remember uh, Sanjay Joshi saying that? I love when he says that. Oh, I don't care about cyano. It comes and goes. Yeah, same here. Yes. You go to I, the reef. Yes. You go to the reef. It comes and goes too. I have it, yes. I have it too. I have it in See? my established tank that's five years old or however, four years old. I, I've got some patches of cyano in the back. Um, it's not really on the rock because mostly there's corals on the rock. So I don't care if it's in the back. You know, I don't really see it too often. It's because there's lower flow back there, and I'm sure the detritus is settling down there. Every now and then, I'll every, every now detritus, and then I'll, yes. I'll siphon it out. Um, you know, but it's not too much of an eyesore. But I think that's just something that you gotta like, uh, you know, expect. Should I hit it with uh, ChemiClean? I guess I could, but I think that would throw something else out of whack. I, you know, I I think yes, chemicals chemicals in a reef aquarium just don't don't be they don't belong in a reef aquarium it's patient if you have your if you give time to it i'm giving time to my system my system is terrible right now after that bomb that you know that i had with the chiller see guess what sanjay i'm not gonna change the matter headlines because of uh, the we chiller. were talking before we were talking about <laughs> before the show you guys had a uh, power outage or something the chiller went on the, the chiller went crazy when your yeah. power went back on and it chilled your tank down to 50s Three degrees or something you told me 58 degrees 58, and you lost 58. i called jbj and they, they said they said because i didn't have uh because the the chiller is connected directly to the plug to the to the outlet and they told me to connect to a um surge uh, a power surge or whatever to make sure that the chiller wouldn't go crazy if the, the electricity comes too strong on the chiller so that never happened before. I have a lot of power outage here, but that this at this time, the December in December, it, it hit me really bad. And when I when I saw my tank after twelve hours, it was like a fridge. I was like, oh my god! So I, I have only four fishes now, and I have only babies of the 
couple little colonies of zoanthids that you know and the coral analogy is coming back now it was everything was bad everything was really bad as soon as I saw it, like, oh, I cannot believe I lost my fish and stuff. But, you know, electricity, we depend on electricity. I, I, I still don't have a backup. I tried to purchase one, but the shipping was so expensive. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to buy, I'm going to have to purchase one, one backup battery for the system, at least for the pumps. And, but the, the chiller problem never happened before. And that, All it that takes was, is one time, right? That was what takes yeah. only one time so all right man it's it's uh, we're getting close to uh 8 30 my time probably want to wrap it up pretty soon but uh i got one last question for you what, what are your thoughts in terms of coral foods like amino acids and, and feeding corals directly do you think it is necessary in an sps dominant system okay. i have um personally i've dabbled in it i've used aminos here and there it's kind of caused um, algae issues for me so i've never really been a dedicated amino acid uh, user. I've, I've used some coral foods. I've used the Reef Nutrition, <clears throat> Oyster Feast, and Phyto Feast. But um, I've never been a regular user of coral foods. What, what are your thoughts on that topic? Okay. My experience with uh, SPS, we don't feed the corals at the aquarium. We don't feed the corals. We have only light. There's three types of... Um, of nutrition that goes to the corals, autotrophic, heterotrophic, and osmotrophic. Autotrophic is the most important for us, which is the, the light. That's why my passion for light, my passion to change this hobby for lighting, better lighting, quality lighting, spectrum, rich spectrum, rich distribution, the best you can give. Don't think about money, just give the best you can give. If you think about money, you're not thinking about your corals. It's either money or corals. And it's not that much money. You don't, you're not going to upgrade. You buy a mineral light system, it's going to have forever. Yeah, instead of, instead of buying a $2,000 instead of, $2, frag, save some money there and invest it in some good equipment, right? Through your corals, <laughs> share, sell. Make it vivid. Make it alive, beautiful. Profusely. Grow them profusely, like Mike Paletta said one, one time, and I love that. I love that expression. Profusely. Okay, three types. The light, which is the most important in the ocean and, and in our house. The feeding particles to the, to, to, to the corals. It's not important. It happens in the reef more than in our aquariums because it's not so practical. To, to have in our aquariums, and the uh, absorption, absorption, from, um, absorption from the water, which is amino acid, or can be, which can be amino acids and trace elements and all that. So these three, if you have the first one, 95% of the nutrition goes to the zooxanthellae through the lighting. If you have that settled, you won't need that effect. Back in the day, they did. Why can't we do today? You won't need to add anything to the system but light. And you can change the water and provide a little bit trace elements for the colors, for the pigmentation, uh, the pigment formation and all that. And you will be able to grow the best corals of your life. Go look at the tank of the months from that time and you will, you will blow your mind. You're going like, oh, man, this guy is right. 
But, but today we have available amino acids. We have the, the, the particle food. Okay. What I do, what I do for my zoanthids. Okay. I feed them particle food. I feed uh, all kinds of uh, powder and pellets if I can. Small kind of pellets and stuff. I feed, uh, I put amino acids in the system and trace elements too, but it's not what they recommend because I know, I know my lighting is modern enough. I just add just for the sake of adding it. And I see difference sometimes, especially amino acids. Some people don't see that difference. I don't know if SPS would make any difference, you know, visual difference but in my aquarium if i add the trace elements i see the reds stronger i see the the pigments the pigments the protective protective pigments are basically the same like the whites on on the zoanthids the protected pigments and the blues stuff like that um i don't see much change when i add those products but the reds i see really you know the iron makes them too make very nice um it's it's only if you have the touch to to find them because it doesn't make any huge difference i mean i i was so many years without adding anything and they are fine with the good yeah. light they are fine so i don't think it's a must i think it's a valid option because scientifically speaking even julian sprung sent me one time a, um a paper about the um, about the amino acids because I was talking to him about amino acids and he sent me a, a paper a very interesting paper that, you know they absorb amino acids a lot if you allow you know again in in a in a set when you when you do that in a lab a controlled um, you know system and it's different than our systems everything's different in our systems right but that's a proof that they can absorb the the amino acid. So I, I do I do a, I do give but yeah. very minimum drops. I don't even I don't even think they need too much. Uh, I agree with Mike Paletta when he says that when we add too much amino acids, the bad bacteria can feed and and we can have trouble because I did have that too. Hmm. Um, I don't know if we can call Vibrio the bacteria that attacks the zoanthids, but when it attacks, man, they, they melt and it's terrible. I had I had that in the past, and I stopped the amino acids, and I saw, you know, better results, you know. And I did a water change, and I stopped the amino acids for a while. So that's the one of the reasons why I add a little bit only, just to give them a boost, or give them some treats, some McDonald's <laughs> food. <laughs> All right, man. On that note, we're gonna uh, we're gonna end it. But uh, Alex, man, any uh, any final words? For uh, the folks out there that are watching, yeah, final, final words. words. Um, it's going to be a lot about lighting. I wish that this hobby, the guys on top of this hobby, would allow, allow because right now, because of the sponsorships, because of the, because of the. Um, Craziness that the LED is doing in the in the in the market, trying to prove their point, trying to prove they're better, better than the application is everything. 
they are not better. They are different. You know, if you tell me, if you tell me you have LEDs because of saving electricity, which is a lie, yourself, better because of the spectrum, that's a lie. That's not even. Control. I agree. You want to control the lighting? I agree. Is that good for you? No, it's bad. So why you have LEDs? And those are the I wish the people... Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any sense. LEDs are supplementation? Perfectly fine. I know I was playing the other day. <laughs> people don't like when I say that, but I said, the king of lights. <laughs> you get in trouble for saying that one, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I, I'm not a sponsor. You know, king of lights, metal highlights. The queen, every every king needs a beautiful queen. And that's <laughs> that's the T5s. But you still can have the Joker in the castle. They all fit in. All so right. we can use it as a supplementation. You wanted a pop? You can use a supplementation. And you can, you, if you really want to use LEDs, yes. I Listen, I am not against you. You are an LED guy. You're watching me right now. Don't hate me. Because I love you. You can use your, your LEDs, that's your option. Now, the only problem, the only problem, this is the message. The only problem we have is condemning metal halide and say that's old technology or whatever. It's better in many ways, okay? So it's not, it's not, it's not that old. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere unless it goes. We can't spread rumors. So my message is, please, especially those guys who knows better, you know better. You shouldn't do this. Just, just accept the metal light is not going anywhere, and it's still a very good way to light the corals, and we're gonna be fine. I mean, everybody has their own way to do it. Yeah, listen. the newbies, the newbies, the newbies are learning with. The yeah, listen. I've been I've been drinking the metal halide Kool Aid. And and they're learning with. <laughs> I was gonna say, I, you know, listen, I, I've been drinking the metal halide cool Kool Aid for for many many years, and and uh, you know, going with LEDs on the new tank, it's definitely a new frontier for me. But uh, Alex, listen, man, thank you so much for for taking the time and being a guest. You have a lot of, yeah, you, you have a lot of passion. Me. It comes through. You're a very knowledgeable guy, and uh, we really appreciate that. That so uh, so many thanks for being on the live stream. I also want to thank uh, Marine Depot for, for being a sponsor and supporting the show. Please keep in mind when you're shopping for your reef tank. I also want to thank all of you folks who watched tonight, as well as uh, uh, John Reef from Vermont there, who, who donated via the uh, the super chat. So my next live stream, you mentioned Mike Paletta's name a few times there, uh, Alex. He's going to be on the show next week, uh, June 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In fact, I got I got a Great lineup of guests coming. If you wanted to check out the schedule coming up here, just go to reefbum.com slash wrapping hyphen with hyphen reefbum, and you can see who's coming up. We've got Mike uh, next week. I've got Scott Anderson from Mile High Reefers coming on. I've got Jake Adams coming back with Chris Meckley from ACI Aquaculture. They're going to be on the same show. That should be a good one. I've got David Saxby, who's going to be uh, – Good to be oh, on the show. Oh, yeah, nice. Probably one of the most uh, famous fish tanks in the world. I've got um, Jason Mack from Max Reef. He's a uh, the admin of the Dino uh, Dinoflagellate uh, support group. So I'll, I'll definitely uh, be interested in that because I'm, I'm dealing with a little outbreak myself. And John Coppolino, a.k.a. Cops, 
who is a very, very well-known hobbyist. So great uh, lineup coming up uh, in the next few weeks and unwrapping this the three So tell your friends, uh, spread the word, and uh, don't forget to subscribe to this channel. But uh, anyway, with that said, everybody be safe uh, out there, and we will see you next time. Later.